You know, I've shown you this before in years past, but I'm just such a big fan of Pinterest. And I'm, I'm such a big fan of, um, of what people, you know, these beautiful things that people put up and, and these incredible, I mean, very talented, like Nathan Emmert. Nathan Emmert could probably do anything that you find on Pinterest. Just because he can kind of, I mean, <laughs> that sounded weird, didn't it? <laughs> but, but it's because he can do anything. Now, the rest of us, not so much. And so if you're anything like me, like you try, and then it doesn't quite work out exactly how you thought it should. Now, I, I know I've shown you some things like this before, but I, I just can't help myself. It's so much fun. And so, so let's take a look at a few Pinterest fails this morning and encourage ourselves, all right? So here's the first one. That's beautiful, isn't it? Like a lovely decoration, maybe for a wedding or some kind of outdoor party. So let's see what happened. Nailed it. Yeah, that's exactly what I would do. No doubt about it. Mine, actually, mine would turn out way worse than that. Let's see the next one. How to take a good picture of your baby in a pumpkin. Holidays, we just passed Halloween. That seems like a good idea. Let's learn how to do that. Here's what happened. Nailed it. Yeah, totally. That's exactly right. Um, he's really having a good time, by the way. And um, talk about rash. Okay, um, this is, a, this is actually a Harry Potter-inspired cake, and so all the colors from the different schools, and look at it down here. Look how beautiful it is down here, and all those incredible little squares representing the different colors from different schools. Surely that wouldn't be that hard. Let's see. Nailed it! Yeah, is that after they ate the cake? I'm not sure. Um, next one. This, is, this was supposed to be for Father's Day, so they're taking the kids' hands and although their hands, their nails look like they need to be trimmed, but taking their little hands and putting them on the dad's chest and making a nice t-shirt for the dad to wear. Let's see how it turned out. Oh, Lord. That's, that, okay. What? Is he injured? I don't know what happened. Is the kid okay? His hand looks like it's pierced. I don't know what's going on there. Let's do one more. Oh, my gosh. Can you just even imagine? I mean, what parent would not want to take this picture? and have it of their first child. Let's see how it turned out. Nailed it. <laughs> Everyone clearly enjoying that moment together. Here's what happens with these things. Don't you think that there's stuff like this that creeps up in our lives, that we know that there's things that we're called to. We've been talking about living a legacy, leaving a legacy uh, on the earth, a life that outlives us. And don't you think we get a picture of it? Yes, I want to leave a legacy, a great legacy behind. And then uh, things just creep up and we think, but if I really try it, it's probably not going to turn out like I think. And, and then you start to get discouraged and then you start kind of stepping back from thinking about legacy and you start putting your time and energy into other things and you end up not living the life because you're afraid. You're afraid it's not going to turn out the way that you thought it should. We've been defining legacy over the past couple of weeks as something such as a tradition or a problem that exists as a result of something that happened in the past. But on the positive, it's something that someone has achieved that continues to exist after they stop working or die. A life that lives on. Here's what I am convinced of and what I want to talk to you about today is, if we're going to live a life of legacy, if we're going to leave a strong legacy in the kingdom of God behind when we're finished here on the earth, it's going to require great faith from us. It's not something that you can do on your own talents or skills or abilities. None of us are that good, except for maybe Nathan Emery. But the rest of us can't do it on our own. We need help, and it's going to require faith. Listen to this verse in Ephesians 4, verse 1. It says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. 
Paul is urging them and urging us, I strongly, I urge you to live the kind of a life that's worthy of the call that you've received from Christ. Paul is saying, listen, don't just suck air while you're here on the planet. That's not what you're here for. You're not here just to take up space. You're here to contribute, to do something, to actually make a difference in the world that you live in. And you need to believe, every one of you, every one of us, we need to believe today that we are called. He says, live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. You are called by God to do this. As soon as I say it, I know it. You're you're sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, he is. Oh, yeah, 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 they are. Uh, Not me. I I feel like I can feel it in the room. You are called by you. You, am I being clear? You are called by God to live this kind of a life. My good friend Britt Hancock, he says this all the time, and he says it kind of like this. If you're still breathing... God ain't finished with you yet. And I believe that. If you've got breath in your lungs, God is not finished with you yet. Regardless of your age, God still has a plan for you. You've got to believe that you're called. But my fear for us is that we would just end up with ordinary living. That we would end up just living our days and, and living the rest of our lives in just the ordinary. And all the things that, that we can actually do. The stuff that I can manage and handle on my own. I don't want us to live that way. God doesn't want us to live that way. I want you to be stirred up today that you can live an extraordinary life, a life that's beyond ordinary, a life that's more than ordinary, because I believe that God created you to live an extraordinary life, not because you're extraordinary, but because he is, because he's extraordinary, and he wants to work through you. He wants to help you. He wants to inspire you. He wants to motivate you. He wants to give you everything that you need to live it. It's his desire. You don't have to do it on your own. You know, when the scriptures were written, when we got them kind of in our modern day setting, the, the divisions, the chapter and verse divisions, they weren't a part of it. In the original writings, there aren't chapters and verses. It was just a book that was written for us. And so you kind of miss sometimes the context of what's really going on. I can read that verse, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received, but listen to the verse right before it. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21, It says, now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, I like that word, super abundantly more than all that we dare to ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers or dreams. I want to stir up this kind of hope, this kind of faith in you today. I want to stir you up to live this kind of life because there is, in fact, more that God wants you to do, even than you're experiencing already. And here's, the, here's the, the next part of that verse. It says, according to his power that is at work within us. God wants to insert himself into your story in such a way that you do far more than you ever thought possible. Check out the reason why God wants to do this. In verse 21, it says, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Look at the reason why. He says he, God wants to do more in and through you because God wants to get the glory. He wants to do it in you. He wants to do it through the church. Listen, the church is important. It's his chosen way to do all of this. You and me, it's his chosen way. So listen, revivals, they've come and gone through the years. Ministries, various ministries have risen and they've fallen through the years. But one thing has remained since Christ was walked the earth. 
the local church has been a part of the story. And it's going to continue on, and it's going to make a difference, and it's going to leave legacy, and you get to be a part of that. But some of you, I think, if you're like me in various seasons of your life, you fall into the status quo. You kind of get into the same old, same old. You get into the routines. You get into the habits. And you kind of just go through the motion of day-to-day life. Wake up, go to work, come home, stream Netflix, go to bed. There's some food in there somewhere after Netflix, secondarily important. So for some of you, I think this idea is so critical because Christianity, your faith for you, has just become kind of predictable. Like, your faith is boring. The way that you think about Christianity, it's boring to you. This thing that I do, it's boring. I show up on a Sunday, we sing some songs, the crazy guy yells at me, and then I go home. Like, that's what it's kind of become for you. It's status quo. You, you think, I've got the God thing all figured out. In fact, some of you, you've already written all the message notes. You've already filled them out ahead of time because you've got it all figured out. I know some of you guess. You do. You guess. I know what this one is. You think you understand it and you've got it figured out. I just want to tell you really quickly that if that's the way you view your faith and that's the way that you view Jesus, you don't know the Jesus that I know. You haven't met him. You haven't figured it out yet because there is infinitely more than the status quo and that kind of a life. God wants you to move us all beyond that today. Do you remember in 2007, there was a movie that came out and it was called The Bucket List. Do you remember that? It was with Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson and they were sick and so they, they kind of developed their bucket list, the list of things they wanted to do before they died and they went out to go uh, do them together. Do you have one of those? Have you written a bucket list? Have you made one of those? Like I have one, I've started one, um, I'm working on it, I'm still continuing to fill it out. I was looking at bucket lists, just doing a little research online, just what do people say about this thing? Because some people are like, oh, they get grumpy about it because they get grumpy about everything. Um, but, but I was looking at it, and there are some really, uh, really fun things. I don't know if they're re- really worthy of like your whole life goal, but, but there was one that I read. A guy said, um, I want to take a jar of mayonnaise, empty it out, fill it up with vanilla pudding, and just walk around and eating it. Like, You're gross. Like, I don't want to be near you. Or another guy said, yeah, I want to get a parrot and, put a, and teach the parrot to say, help, I've been turned into a parrot, and just walk around all the time with it. My favorite one by far was, he said, he said uh, I want to run into a store, throw the door open and say, what year is it? And when they tell me, I want to say, it worked, and run out again. Wouldn't that be fun? Like, and you, hey, by the way, today is November, November 5th. It is the day that time travel was invented by Dr. Emmett Brown, November 5th, 1955, in Back to the Future. There you go. Enjoy that. Okay. So... So a bucket list, though, it's, it's, those are ridiculous, I know. But I have some, like, like I, I got a bunch of things. I've checked off a bunch of stuff. I wanted to go to China. I wanted to see the Great Wall. I did that last summer. I wanted to, have a, I wanted to own and restore a 65 Mustang. I own it. It's going to take me the rest of my life to restore it because I know nothing. But I'm going to be figuring out. I still have things. I want to go to Egypt. I want to see the pyramids. Like, I have all these things that I want to do because I want to have an aim for my life. I want to have a goal. I don't want to just sit around. I don't want to just take up space. I want to aim at something for my life, something that I can do. There's a saying that says, if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. Why not have a dream? Why not believe? Why not have hope? Why not think that God could actually do something with me? Thanks, man. I got to go faster though. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. <laughs> James says in James 4, verse 2, You have not because you ask not. Think about it. 
even though there's no limit to God's ability, no limit to God's provision, no limit to what God can do, if you don't ask, you don't experience it. If you don't ask, if you don't seek, if you don't knock, you don't experience it. And listen, life is short. James 4.14 says that you are just a vapor. Be encouraged, everybody. Your life is fast here on the earth. And the reality is we can go through life missing it all, not experiencing any of the stuff that God wants for us, living an ordinary life and being done at the end of our days and leaving a mediocre legacy. But that doesn't have to be you. But along the way, as we try to do this, as we work on this, there are going to be some things that are going to rise up to try to prevent us from doing it. And I want to talk about a few of those really quick. There are some ways of thinking that kind of become legacy stoppers. And the first one is, is a wrong view of yourself. Like a, a bunch of us struggle with this. You get a wrong view of yourself. You look at yourself completely the wrong way. You think that you're not good enough. You think that you can't do anything. And you think, well, but, but I'm just being humble. It's just humility. Uh, it's not, though. It's deeper than that. You don't see yourself correctly. Humility, humility is not what you think it is. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. That's what humility really is. But you're stuck in this way of thinking, I can't, I won't. Psalm 1835 is an encouragement for us. It says, you give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. This is a beautiful line of poetry that illustrates what God wants to do in you and what God wants to do with all of us. Stoop down to make you great. I want you to stir up some greatness and some faith in your heart today that you can live this life. For some of you, you're just stuck in seeing yourself in an inappropriate way. If anybody's qualified to preach this, it is me. I can remember walking through high school wearing really kind of insane clothes that I won't describe for you right now, but being so fearful, being so insecure, being so worried. I can remember walking through school and my body literally shaking because I was thinking about the people that would be looking at me. Ridiculous. No reason for me to be that way, but just feeling insecure and inadequate and my body would just actually literally shake and I had to really work through that. I had a, we had a class called communications and in that class you had to you had to speak, you had to do some speeches, and you had to present some oral arguments and things like that, and I was terrified. I, I didn't want to do it. I was afraid of standing in front of a bunch of people and saying a bunch of stuff. I was terrified to do it. Look at me today. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I had another class, Oral Comm. I graduated. I made it through that class, and I went to college, and I had a class called Oral Comm, Oral Communications. Same thing. You had to prepare two speeches, a class of like 10 people, and I was petrified. I, I, I was fearful of it for like two weeks, three weeks beforehand. I'm thinking, oh, that assignment's coming. Oh, what am I going to do? Oh. And now God has a nice sense of humor, doesn't he? Now I do it every day and have done that for 20-some years. Listen, I know what it feels like to be like this. And some of you are like this. You have insecurity in you. Who am I? I could never. Listen, if you'll give that over to God, I'm telling you, he will make you secure. He can help you, heal you, help you understand that you're his child and help you form your identity in him. Some of you have fear in your hearts. You're afraid. What, what if I fail? What if I try stuff and I fail and it doesn't work? What if that happens to me? What if things don't work out? Listen, this, I've, I've told students this all through the years of being a youth pastor. You are never a failure until you give up. You're never a failure until you step back. Everything before that is just learning how not to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you're here today, Paul. It's nice to have you. Some of you are inadequate. You measure yourself by you or you measure yourself, you compare yourself to other people and you always fall up short because comparison is always a trap. 
Comparison either makes you better than everybody else, so you're prideful, or it makes you worse than everybody else, so you're an insecure worm. It never works out to compare. And here's the truth. You want to to have a little encouragement here this morning? You are inadequate. Let's pray. (laughs) You are inadequate until God gets involved. And then you are more. You are more. You are more than a conqueror. You're more through him. Some of you are just reluctant. You know you could do it actually, but you just don't want to because you're kind of a procrastinator. I'll get around to it one day. I'll do something someday. Someday there's a team one card that sits in that cup holder every week and you think, yeah, I'll do it next week. I'll just fill it in there. I'll join the team next week. I'll do something next week. I'll participate next week. And it just never happens. Listen, God wants us to, pu- God wants to push us through all of that and live a different life. First Peter 2.9 says about you, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are chosen. He could have picked a bunch of other stuff. He chose you. You are chosen by God for this life. And you're chosen so that you may proclaim the praises of him. To be a legacy person, you have to get a right view of yourself. The second thing we have trouble with is we have a a wrong view of other people. People bug us way too much. For a lot of us, people are just a problem to be avoided. That's all they are. It's a problem to be avoided, not a person to be loved. We say things like, church would be awesome if it wasn't for all the people. Work would be amazing if it wasn't for all the people that are there. And it typifies how some of you view other people around you. People can either irritate you or entertain you. It's your choice how you view them. Matthew 9.36 says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were, listen, harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We can't forget the people in our city and our community who are in desperate need. Foster kids, single parents, people living with addiction and broken lives all over our community. We can't forget them. When we forget them, we forget why we're doing what we're doing. We forget why we pray. We forget why we worship. We forget why we study the scriptures. We forget why we serve. You can't forget that. You have to have a right view of people around you because you can't have a legacy if you have a bad view of people. It will prevent you. When I, The church I used to work at in Colorado Springs, from time to time, there would be a newspaper clipping on our desks, on everybody's desk when you showed up for work on that day. The newspaper clipping would be several obituaries. And on those obituaries, there would be a little saying, and it would say, every day in Colorado, people are going to heaven and people are going to hell. How you live your life today and the decisions that you make affect the percentage of people that are going to heaven and the percentage of people that are going to hell. It was a stark and startling reminder for us, and some of us need that today, to remember that people aren't projects People are people that God loves, made in his own image, and he loves them dearly. The third legacy stopper is having a wrong view of God. We forget that we serve a miracle-working God. We think, oh, yeah, that was in the Bible. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's for now. We serve a miracle-working God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we could ever hope or imagine. We've forgotten that. And so as a result, we just decide, I'm going to live my normal, attainable life. I'm going to check off my lists. I'm going to have my list of pros and cons, and I'm going to live according to those, and I'm going to have a safe, easy, non-legacy life. The tension of the bucket list is, what things do you put on there that you know you can do, and how much do you put on that you know you probably couldn't do? 
You've got to have some things on there that you know would be impossible unless God gets involved. You have a wrong view of God. When you have that, when you get this, you, you kind of live on an edge. When you figure it out, you live on the edge. You, you live further than you thought possible. You pray different. You live different. You have different conversations. You think differently about your hours. You only stream for three hours a day instead of 16. Boy, I'm really picking on that. I need to go check my own Netflix usage, apparently, because I, I, just, keep, I just keep yelling about it. Am I preaching to me? Probably. Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. <laughs> Do you believe that, though? Somebody says, oh, yeah, amen. Mm, oh, mm, uh. And then through the week, we live like, oh, it's never going to happen. That's why we need to join with God to live a life that's beyond ourselves, a life that's beyond me. I want us to have a church where we are constantly just in over our heads. <laughs> We're just, we're just a little too deep, and we don't know how we're going to do it. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. That's the kind of family that I want to be a part of, and we're on our way. And God shows up and says, yeah, that's right. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Here's the big idea verse for today, John 14, verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do, she will do, even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. You remember Hebrews says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Some of you today are just out of hope. Life has been too difficult, and so hope is gone. Others of you, you just kind of have everything mapped out. My life is going according to plan. It's planned out perfectly, and so you don't need to have any hope. You don't even think about hope. Why would I have hope? I have a plan. I want to challenge you to live this kind of life, a greater things kind of life. I want you to believe for greater things. I want you to pray for greater things. I want you to trust God for greater things in your life. Jesus said, if you have faith in me, you will do what I have been doing, and you will do even greater things. What? What? I mean, you, got, you, you healed people. You healed the sick. Like, you fed thousands of people with five loaves and two fish. You raised the dead. Oh, there's no way. And he says, yes, you can. Greater things will you do. More will you do than the stuff that I have done. You will do greater things because I'm going to the Father. I want One Chapel Kyle to live a greater things kind of a life, to invest in and to leave an incredible legacy. The past two weeks, I've been telling you about this one way that we're going to participate in this. We're just going to get the ball rolling. It's not everything, but we're going to take this legacy offering on December 10th. We're going to take one, one big offering where we all kind of invest in the next season of what God wants to do in One Chapel Kyle. And there's a bunch of stuff that's in our hearts. You need to know this, that we, we already give away more than 10% of the first income. We give away of the giving that we all do. We give away more than 10% towards missions, local and global, towards uh, church planting, towards benevolence and helping people. That already happens. But we want to have an offering where we take a step forward because we have a vision for 10 communities in 10 years. And we need to start thinking about how we're going to plant a church in San Marcos someday. And to plant a church, it's between $120,000, $150,000 to plant and be rooted in that community. We have to start thinking about that and praying about that. For us to have our own building here in Kyle where we can be rooted in neighborhoods and not just have a theater that we pop in and make a, a secular place, a sacred space, and then we pop out again, but we have a building during the week where ministry is happening all, happening all the time out of that place, where we're saying to Kyle, we're here for the long haul. We're not just a flash in the pan. We're not just here in the theater and gone. We are rooted in these neighborhoods and communities. We need a building to be able to say some of those things. 
And to do that, we're going to have to bring to the table around $600,000. You and me, we have to have faith for a vision like that if we're going to make that happen. We're already pre-approved for the loans. Now we just got to look for the right time and opportunity in building. We should be praying about that, by the way. Thank you kindly. We have over 30 organizations that we partner with. We want to bless them in a great way. We want to be able to be a blessing to a bunch of teachers in an elementary school here in our community and help them. We're going to take some of that offering and we're going to give it away. I think we're going to go to Camino Real Elementary School. And we're going to try to bless all those teachers in an incredible way. We have a lot of vision about things that we want to do. This offering's coming up. I just want you to know about it because I'm not going to twist your arm. I just want you to pray and ask God what you should do and simply do that. Let's wrap this up. Um, Here's the thing, all these things, getting your views straightened, all the stuff, all that stuff we just talked about, to be, be taking root in, the, in our community here, all those things, it can't happen unless we have faith. Unless we have faith and trust God to do it. So there's a story from the Old Testament that I'm going to read as we close. A little bit of background here. Israel is divided into two kingdoms, right? There's, there's the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Judah, and they're, both, they're all called the kingdom of Israel, but, but there are two different kings and these two divided kingdoms. And they're going to partner with a third king in Edom to go to war. They're going to stack the odds. And so in 2 Kings 3, 19, 9 through 14, it says, So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals. Like, they're in dire straits here. What? exclaimed the king of Israel. I love that. You've got to read your Bible like that. What? Like, you've got you to just inject some fun into it because there is really life in there. That'll be the last time I'll do that. Exclaim the king of Israel. Has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. He helped Elijah, served him. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, what do we have to do with each other? He's like, hey, man, get out of here. I don't want to talk to you. Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to hand us over to Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I wouldn't look at or even notice you. (laughs) Because I like this guy, I'm going to talk to you. But if this dude weren't here, it's over, right? Talk to the hand, it's over. He wasn't going to do it. So look at the next verse. There's going to be three things that are coming out of the story that are going to help us to have faith for greater things. The next verse, 2 Kings 3.15. He says, But now bring me a harpist. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. Hey, Nate, come up here. Would you really quick? There's something that happens, everybody, when you get into the presence of God. There's something that happens when you enter into, when you step into the presence, when you have faith when, that he's there and he's connected with you. Like Something happens even when you just start to play some music. Like this right here. I just want Nate to play something for you, and I just want you to pause and I want you to think about it. Something changes when music enters the room and the presence of God comes. The atmosphere kind of shifts a little bit. And if you just let your heart kind of drift towards him, kind of like a compass always returning to north, you just kind of let your heart wander towards him, you just start to feel it. You just start to sense, do you sense it? You sense his presence. It just changes the atmosphere, the dynamics. When music shows up and you turn your heart and your attention towards him, it starts to change everything. 
That's kind of what he was doing here. And the guys are like, hey, man, hey, man, what are you doing? We're about to go to battle here, and, and you want some mood music? Like, that doesn't make sense to us. Stop it. But there's something about music that changes the spiritual atmosphere. And Elijah was teaching us something about faith, and this is that faith is birthed in God's presence. Faith is birthed when you step into the presence of God. It changes things. I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but some of you have no faith because you don't have any presence. You don't have any presence in your life. You don't pay attention. You don't take the time to welcome him. You're just living your life on what you think is possible. You're just living your faith according to what you can attain and what you can do. You're not connecting yourself to anything or anyone that's greater than you. Some of you haven't experienced the presence of God in a long, long time. And it's time to change that. Because here's the bad news. Nate's not going home with you. I mean, if you paid him, he might. I know he has to work this afternoon, so we can't do it this afternoon. So, so he's not going home with you, so what are you going to do? But at some of your houses, here, stop playing, Nate. It's like this. And the kids are yelling and screaming, like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Can a guy get a little piece of quiet around here? You shouldn't talk to your kids like that, by the way. <laughs> and your house is full of stress and turmoil, and it's crazy in there. And you just need to lock the kids in the room. Don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> you need to give the kids to grandma, or hire a babysitter, or do something. And you need to close yourself in the door, close yourself into the bedroom, uh, close yourself in the closet, and you need to put on some worship music. just need to worship and you just need to welcome the presence of God and you need to have faith that he's going to show up when you do it (laughs) I feel weird I feel silly I feel awkward I can't do it just try oh God we reverence you we welcome your presence here we welcome your spirit and your life to come and minister your life to us give us faith to believe again and you know what starts to happen suddenly hope for your wayward son. You have hope for your marriage. You have hope that you could live the kind of life that God's called you to. Because his presence does that. Faith is birthed in his presence. 2 Kings 3.16 says, this is what the Lord says, oh, this is moving on. This is moving into the next point. And he said, this is what the, yeah, just stay and hang out. This is good. He said, this is what the Lord says, make this valley full of ditches. Okay, so there's mood music. Now God says, make the valley full of ditches. And you think the verse should say, and God brought the rain. Nope, God said, dig. Go dig. This is another big secret to faith because faith has to go beyond inspiration to participation. Has to go beyond good vibes and good feelings to participating all through the scriptures you see that when God does something when Jesus was healing when Jesus was doing something he wanted people to participate he wanted the people to move God wants you to participate to move in what he's doing you think about the blind man and Jesus took dirt and he rubbed it on his eyes he said now you go wash your eyes he wanted the guy to participate there's people who were hungry thousands of them and he said all right sit them down into groups of 50 and he blessed the the loaves and the fish and he broke them and he gave them to the disciples and they moved and went out and they performed that miracle at the hands of Jesus 
He wants us to be a part, to move. He wants you to be involved. Some of you are just sitting around waiting on God. When are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? When are you going to move? The truth is, God's waiting on you. He's saying much more nicely than you are, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? When are you going to move? My dad, all, all the years we were growing up, my dad would say, son, you can't park, you can't steer a parked car. And it's true. In order for the car to go anywhere, to have any sort of direction, it requires some movement. You have to get the thing moving. Everybody, decide today. Just get up off your hindquarters and dig some ditches. Hindquarters, that's the pastoral way of saying what I'm trying to say. <laughs> dig some ditches. Get involved. Get the shovel in your hand and go to work. Participate with what God is doing. Don't sit there playing video games. I know most of you don't do that. Don't sit there streaming Netflix. Don't sit there on your phone. Put it down. Get up. Make some movement. Give God something to work with. He'll do it. It's got to go from inspiration. Ooh, good sermon. I want to have faith today. No, 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 no. You got to take it from there. You got to put it into action. I'm going to actually do some stuff today to see it happening. I got to finish. Then look at the last verses, 2 Kings 3, 17 through 18. For this is what the Lord says, you will see neither wind nor rain. Oh, good. It's like, look, you're not going to see any signs that God is actually at work here. But look at the next phrase. Yet this valley will be filled with water, and you and your cattle and your other animals will drink. Here's the last one. Faith continues regardless of what is seen. Regardless of what's happening around you, he's at work. Regardless of what you think is actually happening, he's at work. Some of you are discouraged today because you haven't seen anything in a long time. You've been praying and praying and praying and nothing has changed. And I felt like God wanted to say to you today, don't give up. Stay steady. Keep moving. Even when you don't see me, I'm at work. I'm with you. Don't give up on that wayward kid. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your dream. Keep moving. Keep moving forward. Everybody, we walk by faith, not by sight. At least that's what we're supposed to do. We walk by faith, not by the things that we see. Some of you just need to close your eyes. Just close them and stop looking around. Stop looking at all the trials. Stop looking at all the difficulties. Stop looking at all the stuff. Stop looking at all the things that aren't. And close your eyes and focus in on him and start thinking about what can. We walk by faith and not by sight. It finishes with, in verse 18, this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. And he will also hand Moab over to you. Not just going to give you water, not just going to feed your animal and give water to your animals. He's going to hand Moab over to you. Why don't you close your eyes? We're going to come to the Lord's table here in just a moment. So I'm ask the team that's going to prepare that to get it ready. And if you would, I just want you to kind of still your heart and nobody moving around too much. Just let the Holy Spirit speak to you for a moment. Are you dry? Have you run out of hope? Have you lost your faith? Have you planned excessively so hope's not even necessary for you? 
Today, would you just humble yourself and allow your heart to dream again? Just right now, where you are, just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and let you dream again. For that kid that you think is never going to come around, let your heart dream again that it can happen. For the marriage you think that is beyond rescue, let your heart dream again. For the dream that you thought was dead, it's not going to happen anymore. just let it come alive have you got air in your lungs then it's not over spirit of God stir faith in us today stir hope in us today we want to be legacy people not for our own fame not for our own benefit not for our own acclaim we want to leave a legacy because of you We want to leave a legacy so that people will see you, so that people long before we're gone will see the life that we lived and their eyes will be turned to you. That's why we're doing this. For some of you here today, that's just the farthest thing from your mind because you're still not even sure what you think about the whole Jesus thing. And I want to encourage you to maybe just decide today, I'm going to take the first step towards believing that this is all real and true. There's a God in heaven who loves me and he sent his only son, part of himself, into the world to give his life on a cross and he shed his blood for us. And because of that sacrifice, he paid the penalty for all of my sin and mistakes. Because the penalty that I deserve is death. And he said, I'm gonna pay that for you. And because he did that, I don't have to pay it. He can come and live in my life and reign in me and I can live for him. It's what most of us in this room have experienced it, and I believe that he would love today to invite you into that relationship with him. So all over this room, I just want to ask you if that's you. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. I'm not going to make you come down to the front. I just want you, the most important thing is that you decide and determine in your heart now, I want to serve Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. We'll help you with the next steps. And you just pray a simple prayer like this. God, I believe in you. Jesus, I receive you. I believe that you paid the price for all of my sins, and I accept that price. Would you forgive me for my sins as I repent of the life that I've been living? I turn away from my old life, and I want to live your life. So be the Lord of my heart, the Savior of my life, and help me. Thank you for rescuing me in Jesus' name. Amen.